Hey all you cool cats and kittens out there. Welcome back to Half Related, and if you're new to the show, we're so happy to have you with us. My name is Kendra, and I give all the details on your paranormal and other Half Related stories. And my name is Whitney, and I spill the tea on all of your true crime stories. As always, we're going to start this off with my story, have a short break, and then Kendra will share her story. Are you ready for a missing person? So this is the disappearance of Erica Baker. I knew it. This story was our childhood. Mm-hmm. I didn't know half these details, so I know you didn't know. I know some, but not a lot. Well, I thought I knew, but I really didn't know. So this is a case we were both obsessed with when we were little, mostly because she had the same last name as us, and we thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And because she was the same age as you, and you both had blonde hair. Yep. Remember? Yep. And it happened in Ohio, where we were both living at the time. I used to lie and tell people that she was my cousin, only because I constantly got asked if she was my cousin, and I was tired of explaining everything yeah, to them. Yeah, see, it just makes things easier. Did you know that a man was actually convicted of her murder? No, I did not know that. At all. Well, let me tell you the story. Erica Baker lived in Kettering, Ohio, and her parents were separated or divorced, so she shared her time between the two. On February 7th, 1999, Erica spent most of the day with Greg Baker, her father. And she was a little bit mad at him that day because he forgot to buy tickets to the father-daughter dance, but her dad said that she cooled off after a while. Later on that day, uh, her dad dropped her off at her house with her mom. Uh, Her name was Melissa or Misty Baker, and he dropped her off around 3 p.m. Now, once Erica was at her mom's house, she quickly became bored. So she asked her mom if she could take the dog for a walk in the Indian Riffle Park that was just down the road. Like, it was probably five minutes from their house. Uh Uh-oh. Her mom said she could, so Erica left the house between 3.30 p.m. and 4 p.m. There were two witnesses in the park. It was a couple, a married couple, who saw her sitting on a bench with her dog near the park's pond shortly after 4 p.m. Now, the couple, a little later, saw the dog by itself dragging its leash. It seemed kind of startled. They thought maybe the dog had gotten away from the little girl and the girl went home. They didn't think, like, anything sinister could have happened. So they waited a little while, and when nobody came to get the dog, they called animal control. Which is, I think, is mean. That is mean. Because how are people going to know that animal control took the dog? But that's a whole different story. So the couple didn't realize that the girl that they saw in the park that day was Erica until they saw the news later that night. So they immediately called the police to report that they had seen her in the park. By them doing this, it gave police a time frame of when Erica disappeared. So now there's a, there's a window. They know that she was at the park, 4 p.m., and that was probably around like 5, 6, when they saw the dog by itself. So a two-hour window. Yeah, about, uh, roughly. So Erica's mom, Misty, became concerned when Erica didn't come home in the evening, so she called the police. Now, the police were on it. They didn't fool around or wait around. They started an extensive search that was done around the whole area, but there were no clues to where Erica was. And also that day, it was raining. Erica was wearing a pink raincoat and a Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt. But since it was raining, like, you know, that washes away any evidence that there may have been. A few days later, a pink Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt was found on a road in Germantown. I think it was like maybe 21 miles from Kettering. Ooh, so we might have answers. 
They brought in bloodhounds, and they reacted positively to Erica's scent being on the sweatshirt, but the Baker family swore up and down that that was not Erica's sweatshirt. Um, what? That doesn't make any sense. I know. There's a lot of things in this that don't make sense. Since the family swore up and down that that wasn't hers, they kind of just let that lead go. The thing that I find weird is, like, it was a Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt. She was literally wearing a Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt that day. You know what I mean? Then how would that not be her sweatshirt? I don't get that. I don't know. That's weird. They looked at it and said that that was not her Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt. Police had two possible witnesses they wanted to speak with, but they never came forward. One was a Caucasian woman wearing a white turtleneck, black stretchy pants, and white shoes. The other is a middle-aged man who was wearing a black raincoat and was walking a long-haired spaniel-type dog. The couple that I talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. like they asked, like, were there any other witnesses that may have seen her? Mentioned these two people that they saw that day in the park. But these people never came forward, so we don't know if they know any information or not. Of course... Like, in any case, police are going to look at the parents first, you know, to rule them out, make sure that they don't have anything to do with her disappearance. So, Greg and Misty both passed a polygraph test and are not suspects in Erica's disappearance. And that is when the case went cold for a while. Like, a long, long while. Nobody knew what happened to Eric Baker. There were no leads. There was no signs. They did searches around the area. They even drained a dam that was nearby. And didn't find her body because ultimately they started looking for a body. Um, Then authorities said they identified four possible suspects in January of 2000, which was five months after Erica had gone missing. None of these suspects have been charged due to lack of evidence. Several of these men have histories of child molestation. Of course. That lead went nowhere due to lack of evidence. Then police get an interesting lead that changes everything. They began receiving leads that Erica had been struck by a vehicle and was killed that day on the day of her disappearance and that the people responsible panicked and disposed of her body. What? Yeah. The tips that were coming in named a woman named Jan Franks, who was a known drug addict in the area, as the driver. She later died in 2001. That's important. But Jan had an attorney, and after Jan died, the attorney refused to tell the police if Jan ever said anything about Erica's case due to the attorney-client confidentiality. But Ohio law says that a dead person's spouse can waive the attorney-client confidentiality for them, and that is what Jan's husband did. But the attorney still refused to speak. Are you kidding me? But because of that, she got contempt of court and was jailed. Like, she did jail time. She was not telling anything, which is really freaking suspicious. That is really suspicious. It's weird. Definitely. So, in February of 2004, so this is five years after Erica had gone missing, it was just three days before the statute of limitations on the offenses would have expired. So, like, it would have been five years and nobody could have been charged for anything. Christian John Gabriel was indicted for evidence tampering and gross abuse of a corpse in connection with Erica's case. Whoa. This Gabriel guy was Jan Frank's boyfriend. Prosecutors stated that they believed Gabriel was driving a van that struck and killed Erica 
on Glengarry Drive near Kettering Recreational Center, and he buried her body in the Caesar Creek State Park to cover up the crime. And this is the crazy part, because once they get this idea that this happened, because they got those tips or whatever, and they looked into it, they brought Mm -hmm. Gabriel in for questioning. He confessed. Gabriel confessed to the crime and stated that him and Jan were driving the van together. They were under the influence of drugs and alcohol, and they had just been at a local Myers shoplifting. They were on their way back from shoplifting when they accidentally struck and killed Erica. Since he confessed to this, they want to know, like, okay, like, what did you do with her body? Where is she? Right. So he starts leading them to various places where he said Erica's body would be. Various places? Yeah. Like, he would take them to one place and they would find nothing. And then he'd be like, oh, no, 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 uh, it's actually here. So then they'd go to that place and there would be no body. What? So that became kind of suspicious. Like, like you know, it puts doubt in your mind. Like, did he really do this? Or is he just fucking with them? Maybe he was so, like, high out of his mind. Yeah. That he couldn't remember what he did with the body. Yeah, that is a suspicion as well. But nothing was found in any of the locations that he gave, and so investigators stated that they were not going to search again for Erica's remains without more evidence, which I think is fucked up. That is fucked up. They should always be searching, in my opinion. (laughs) I would have tore apart every location that he took me to, but Mm -hmm. they wouldn't do that without more evidence. That's such bull. So, Gabriel, even though he confessed, he pled not guilty to the charges and maintains his innocence in Erica's case, despite the fact that he confessed, uh, like he took it back. He says he only confessed because the police pressured him and the confession was completely untrue, which you hear that a lot in these kinds of cases. I mean, in some cases, police really do pressure people so bad that they coerce people into confessing false confessions. So, I mean, I'm kind of on the edge. I don't know. I don't know which one to believe. Without a body and knowing what happened to her, it's kind of hard to put all the pieces together. Yeah. But despite his plea, he was convicted in October 2005 and was sentenced to the max term, and this is bullshit too, of six years in prison. That's all he got. Six years in prison, and that's, most of that comes from... Probably because you can't really... I mean, you can't really convict someone. There was no body. Yeah, there's no evidence. He was released in June of 2011, so I mean, he's free. Erica's body has never been recovered. And then so, like, I, for the longest time, didn't know that anybody was convicted of her murder or anything like that because... You always see the age progression photos out there still to this day. They update those every few years. Uh I mean, it's been 21 years now, and they're still putting out age progression. And so I was confused, like, well, why are they still doing that if they think that she was murdered? And so the answer to that is that Erica's mom still to this day holds out hope that Erica's out there somewhere because they haven't found her body, you know? Well, it makes sense. I mean, they don't know for sure if she was murdered. Yeah, they don't They don't they know. They don't know. And then, like, I found, like, a really... It's kind of messed up, but in a way it kind of shows, like, how nice and genuine the Baker family is. Mm-hmm. When Gabriel was released from prison, guess who picked him up from prison and took him home? No, they didn't. Erica's grandma. <sighs> 
And she later said that the reason why she did it was because she wanted to show him some kind of compassion in hopes that he would tell them where she was. Because she thinks he's, he knows where her body is. And they ju that's all they want is to bring her home. But I guess Erica's dad, when he found that out, he was pretty upset. Well, yeah. He didn't know that she was doing that. So that is the disappearance of Erica Baker. Like always, we're going to take a little break and then Kendra will be back with her story. Alright, my spooky listeners, we are back from our small break, and now I must ask, are you ready for... Say it out loud. Vampires. Today, we are going to talk about vampires, and no, I'm not talking Twilight, I'm talking real, living, breathing, blood-drinking, possibly your neighbor, vampires. Ooh. Now... According to the National Post, there are currently over 5,000 vampires throughout the United States living among us. Oh my god. So, Kendra, you ask. Kendra, I'm What asking. do we need to know <laughs> about these vampires? <laughs> well, let me tell you, my friend. The first thing you need to know is that there are real vampires and fake vampires. Wannabes. Yes, the posers. Poser vampires. And this is the difference between the two. Fake vampires are sometimes people with mental illnesses, such as Redfield Syndrome. And then others are most often just fans of vampires. One day they decide, oh, I'm going to be a vampire today. And then other cases, there are vampire cults that have had evil intentions and even murdered people such as the famous vampire cult murders in Florida, or the time when a victim of a vampire got away and stated that she was drugged, strapped down to a table while somebody was slowly draining her blood through an IV and drinking it. Oh. Pretty twisted stuff. But the real vampires are part of a friendly community, and they're not so culty at all. That really sounds like the Cullen family from Twilight. Just saying. But it's not, though. Because... Real vampires are kind, they are respectful. Other than living in the shadows with their vampiric secrets, they're pretty normal people. Are they beautiful? I mean, I don't know, maybe. I'm just thinking stereotypic. Oh, don't think stereotypic. Well, if, they, if they're normal, then I guess they, you know, try to blend in. Well, they do. They do. So we're going to dive into the real vampires tonight, and it's nothing like you'd expect at all. Oh, I am ready. And guess what else, you guys? What? I'm even going to teach you how to find out if you are a vampire. And I'm so freaking excited for this. You don't even know. You really don't even know. I might be a vampire. You might be. <laughs> and I might be. We all might be. Ooh. Okay, guys. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an opportunity and I had to take it. And I'm glad you did. The first group of real vampires that we are going to discuss are led by a 37-year-old vampire man named Murticus. I really hope I said his name right. I love that. I'm so sorry, Murticus, if I'm saying your name wrong. Murticus. Murticus. It sounds like murder kiss. Like a murder kiss. Oh, it does. He is an antique dealer, and he lives with his wife in Atlanta, Georgia, which is where he founded the vampire community. He has been included in various researches and interviews and is associated with the Voices of the Vampire Community, or the VVC for short. 
So I think it's very important for me to tell you that the real vampires do not sleep in coffins. What? A stake through the heart could kill anyone. Mm-hmm. They can't turn into bats or fly. And no, they do not sparkle in the sunlight. And they absolutely do not want to hurt you. Bummer. <laughs> I'm kind of glad they don't want to hurt me, Winnie. <laughs> well, I was saying bummer about they don't sparkle. So what you need to know first about Murticus and his friends is that there are three types of vampires accepted into the vampire community. One of these types are the psychic vampire. These vampires feed off of energy. Like Alice. So they can, yes, like Alice, they can see or sense your auras, sort of like an empath, except different because they're vampires. I kind of want to call them vampaths, but I don't (laughs) think they'd like that. I don't know. I like it. And then another type of vampire is sanguinarian which are vampires who feed off of blood whether it be human or animal so that's kind of more of like what you would expect from a vampire but not quite and we will get into that part very soon lastly there are the hybrid vampires which feed from both energy and blood Hmm. or have changed back and forth like between feeding methods like for example Maybe they, like, fed from blood for a while, and then they changed over and started feeding from energy instead, or vice versa. So, as I mentioned before, these vampires are really friendly, and they don't want to hurt anybody. So, if they, like, take your, like, they feed off your energy, do they make you tired? Like, would you feel drained of energy around these people? I would imagine you do. Okay, so I'm definitely an empath. Me too. And being around certain people drains me. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're negative people, Amen. like it, I literally feel tired around them. Amen. I really do. And then if they're, like, happy and have, like, all these good vibes bouncing off of them, it makes me feel happy and energetic and all, all that good stuff. Yes. So I, it probably does. But I'm not going to say I know that for sure. So they don't want to hurt anybody. So they feed from willing participants. These willing people are called donors, of course. Mm-hmm. And they actually have forms and waivers for your rights that you will fill out before donating your goods, so to speak, to a vampire. If you're a blood donor, they make sure to be as safe and sanitary as possible. So they have you get tested for bloodborne pathogens like hepatitis, HIV, syphilis. And then when you can prove you're all good and safe to go, they will clean you up with an alcohol swab and use a surgical knife to make a couple of small incisions and then they drink your blood. Oh, I thought like this was going to be like, they stick an IV in your arm and put blood into a bag. They feed on the people? Yeah, they feed on the people. Oh my. So another interesting thing that I would like to point out before I forget about it is they actually don't want to get blood from your neck. And there are better and safer areas to drink blood from. So the neck or wrists aren't really their first choice. They tend to go for the back, kind of by your shoulder blade. That's one of their more popular drinking spots. And to add to that, vampires can tell how healthy you are by the way your blood tastes and feels. Like if your blood is runny or thick, or it tastes more bitter or sweet. Wow. So you get like a diagnosis as you're getting your blood sucked. Yeah. So do you want me to be honest with you, Whitney? Yeah. I'm probably really weird because I would actually be cool with donating my blood to a vampire, but only if they were like a close friend or a family member. No, that's weird. But like the thought of a friendly stranger sucking blood out of my body just kind of makes me feel uneasy. Like, ugh, ew, you know? 
Like, I wouldn't do it with a stranger. If you were like, Whitney, I really need to sink my teeth into your back and drink your blood. Don't worry, I'm not going to kill you. I'm friendly. I would tell mom. (laughs) I would tell on you. (laughs) I wouldn't. I don't mean I want to drink blood, though. Like, I would let someone do it to me. (laughs) I would let them drink my blood. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. No, Kendra, no. No. Body energies? I don't want anybody feeding off of that. Like, ever. Because that's mine. You can't have it. Mm-mm. I need that shit. Especially with a toddler running around. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say, we're moms. We need all the energy we can get. Now, the sanguinarian vampires, again, these are the blood drinkers, can also drink from animals and other sources, right? So... Question. Yes. Cows? Listen, I'm thinking about all the vampire movies that I've ever seen. And one of my favorite, when I was little, was The Little Vampire. Oh, I liked that movie. And they didn't want to feed on humans, so they would go to the barn and feed on the cows. Speaking of that movie, do you remember that black trunk thing that Grandma had in the condo basement that had the water and stuff in it? Yes. Okay, well, when we moved out of the condo and into a different house, I took that with me. And I put it at the end of my bed because I saw the little vampire and that little boy had one at the end of his bed. And when his vampire friend would come and spend the night with him, he would sleep in there. And I wanted a vampire. And then I'd wake up and there would never be a vampire. That's really sad. I I wish you would have gotten one. I know. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Now, the sanguinarian vampires, the blood drinkers, can also feed from animals and other sources. This can be bloody steaks the cow kind not the wooden kind because duh (laughs) and they can also use other red meats and if they're unable to get a hold of human or animal blood they can use substitutes such as pomegranate juice dark chocolate or marmite which is kind of interesting oh that's really interesting i like pomegranate juice and dark chocolate but i've never tried marmite before and i can't really say whether i like it i like chocolate So this leaves the question, how do they know that they are vampires? Or I guess I should say, when do they know that they are vampires? And I can answer that for you. When do they know? All vampires typically realize that they are different than others sometime around puberty. Which makes absolute sense to me, because that's when we are really starting to learn about our bodies and noticing new things and stuff like that. So what's important about this is that they have a need, a hunger, or I guess I should say a thirst... for blood or energy or both. They realize that they're more fatigued than they should be, like they're missing something. Kind of like if you were missing something important from your diet, and they also notice that they're a little bit pale in color. When they finally feed, they have energy again. They're not so pale anymore. They feel healthy and pretty alive. Hmm. So it's important that vampires meet their needs to stay healthy, and unfortunately, as you can imagine, it's not always easy to find donors. Yeah, most people don't want their blood sucked. So on the flip side of this vampire lifestyle, most of these vampires are hiding in plain sight, preferring to keep their vampirism a secret. Not because they want to hurt you, not because they're devious or anything like that, but because they don't feel accepted by society. I understand how they feel. I mean, why would you want to out yourself to a world who shuns anyone that's different, you know? Exactly, especially in today's age. They do, however, have information that you can read about online, and I highly suggest 
that if you find this story interesting, you do so, because all it takes is just a little Google search for Murticus Stevens, and you should see his website, and he has pretty much all you need to know there. Oh, I'm gonna check it out. Now, there's another large community of vampires in New Orleans. They're similar to the ones in Atlanta. They still have your psychics, your sanguinarians, and your hybrids, but they also have people that they consider to be real vampires who just simply dress like vampires. So, personally, I don't agree with that. I don't think you can just dress up as a vampire and then say you're a vampire. No. I guess that's their decision to decide who's a vampire and who isn't, but I don't think that's a vampire. I think that's just like... it's Yeah, that's like Arya's gonna be a, a vampire for Halloween. Well, then I guess your daughter is a real vampire. She wants to be. Except she would be like a vampire queen, right? Oh yeah, she would. she would run the entire cult. Are you kidding me? These vampires take things to the next level, though, because they make a visit to a fang smith. Oh. Yes. Oh, so they, they do have fangs? Yes. Ooh. So there's one fang smith specifically that they go to, and they call him Father Sebastian. I love that. He just so happens to be the leader of the New Orleans vampire community. So this fang smith, as you can imagine, makes vampire fangs. Like, duh. Yeah. To join Father Sebastian's community, all you have to do is go see him and get some fangs made for you. That's literally it. But... That's all you have to do to be called a vampire in this community. Okay, so you pretty much... That's like you choosing to be a vampire. You're not like an actual vampire. Okay. So they do pretty much all the same things as the New Orleans group. They drink blood, they get high on energy from their donors, you know, they somewhat hide their identity. I say somewhat because they claim to be secretive, but they are on the History Channel, (laughs) National Geographic, and all over YouTube and other media outlets. So, I don't know. I feel like Father Sebastian's vampire community is more open about their lifestyle than Murticus's community is. Definitely. This community is really not hard to find, like, at all. You can visit Father Sebastian's website or do a Google search and you'll find, like, tons of stuff. So, those are your two real vampire communities. That is nice. And finally, 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 we're going to get to the part that I'm the most excited about. Ooh. Which is how to know if you're a vampire or not. Whitney, I'm pretty sure that we're not vampires, but I think we need to know for sure. So we're going to take this little uh, questionnaire thingy here. Okay. And we're going to figure this out. Okay. So the questionnaire is at vampirewebsite.net slash how know if a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) How do know a vampire? (laughs) Anyway, we're going to do this. So, Whitney, question number one. Do you have unusually pale skin? Mine definitely is pale. Like, I am ghostly. I am paler yeah, than ghostly. I would say I'd be pale. As a kid, were you the strongest, smartest, or quickest kid in the class, and at around 16 years of age, maybe all three of these things? No. Me either. <laughs> Did your dad disappear from your life while you were... <laughs> At a young age. I don't know my dad. <laughs> That's such a fucked up question to ask, and I shouldn't have laughed at it, but... I mean, I don't my know my dad. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep, so it's a yes, and I'm also a yes. Hang on. This might be a good time to explain to our listeners that 
we have the same mom but different dads because we are half related half related yes okay continue do people often tell you that you look very young for your age or that they would have never guessed how old you are yes yes Yes. Are you extremely energetic at night, but around the time the sun comes up, you become extremely tired? Yes. Yeah. Like, I used to be worse when I was younger, but over time it's gotten a little, like, calmed yeah. down, I guess. But I'm still not a fucking morning person, like, ever. No, but I really love my sleep, too. Sleep is my friend. I can't wait to go to bed. Would you say that you slightly heal quicker than normal people? Mm, yeah. I mean, I don't know, because how the... Wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. Yes, the fuck I do. Yes, I do. Yes, the fuck you do, do. Kendra. Because, like, I've had so many freaking surgeries, and I'm always, like, healed up pretty quick. See? Yeah, I mean, I'd say I'm I'm like that, too. Holy shit. This is not going how I expected. I am pretty much a motherfucking vampire. We're vampires. Do you have an unusually high tolerance to alcohol or other poisons? Oh, shit. I'm being called out (laughs) right now. (laughs) no i I mean i don't have a high like a super high tolerance you know that i don't no you don't (laughs) so lightweight no i i can put back i can put back a few do you tend to switch between being very social and antisocial frequently yes yes Yes, i do definitely okay are your six senses more enhanced than most other people's? An example, vision, hearing, touch, smell, taste, and intuition. Yes. I'd say my intuition is, uh, my eyesight sucks. <laughs> okay, yeah, my eyesight's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, my hearing is, like, really oh, yeah. fucking good. I, no, 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 like, no. I can my... hear trains from miles away. My... You could literally be right in front of me and say something, and I still say, what? So, No. My hearing sucks. Okay, and touch, I'm definitely touch sensitive. Yeah. I feel like the tiniest little hair touch any part of my body, I freak out. Like, it feels so gross. Yeah, you're a vampire. I definitely have smell, but that didn't happen until after Peyton was born, and it just, like, never went away. I smell everything all the time. I think my smell is pretty normal. Taste, I'm not sure. I know... I'm, like, super med-sensitive, but I don't know if that counts as taste. I'm pretty intuitive. So that's a yes. So, do you have extremely good vision in the dark? Nope. Absolutely not. I cannot drive at night. Do you tend to get high from human blood? No. I've never drank human blood. I guess that's unknown. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've tasted my own blood Yeah, everybody's tasted their own blood. But I, no. But I don't think, like, I felt, like, high from it, and I didn't feel like... Well, maybe that's because you're not a human, and it wasn't human blood. While drinking someone's blood, do you tend to find yourself being able to do something that they could do that you couldn't do about two weeks after drinking it? What the (laughs) fuck kind of question is that? That was so confusing. I feel... Let me reread that. When drinking someone's blood, do you tend to find yourself being able to do something that they could do that you couldn't do about two weeks after drinking? So, like, you take on, like, their abilities? Yeah, like you, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's unknown. I've never drank anybody's blood. 
That's disgusting. Yeah, same. How often do you look at the person that almost bumped into you and think, you idiot, or people are so stupid because they didn't know you were only a couple feet away from them? Mm, no, because I pretty much avoid people. Me too. But it does piss me off if people bump me. Um, so there's like way more questions and I'm not going to read them all. Okay. Because I'm tired. <laughs> So I'm sorry, you guys, but uh, if you want to take this quiz, you can go do it. All right, you guys, that's all for our episode tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Stay spooky and watch out for more episodes every Sunday at 5 p.m. EST. And if you're in need of more half-related content, you can find all of our important links, such as Instagram, Discord, Patreon, and more, by visiting us at linktr.ee slash half-related. We would love to hear from you, so be sure to hit us up on Twitter at OnlyHalfRelated or slide us an email at HalfRelatedPodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.